Good afternoon to those of you in graduation land. You just heard that music from Pomp and Circumstance, which is actually as playing a recording for the Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. Who was a pro wrestler back in the 80s and 90s. For those of you who do not know, his entrance music was Pomp and Circumstance. So to this day, whenever I go to a graduation, I hear that music, I immediately think feel like the Macho Man should be coming out in his, um, you know, his attire and going, Ooh, yeah, what can the whale say? But anyways, <clears throat> go on YouTube or Google, whatever, you can find out about him. So, I know that's kind of a little bit of a sidetrack to start, but that is the music you hear at graduations. And so today I went to the graduation for... O-A-B-C-I-G. And this year, it's kind of an inch... It's been a very interesting feeling. Last week, I preached for the Graduate Recognition Service at St. Paul Luther Church. For those of you who happen to just stumble on this recording, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am the Associate Pastor at St. Paul Luther Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. But I just became pastor here back at the very end of February. I was Before that, I was a pastor in Ocheedon, Iowa. I was a pastor of three congregations. Zion Lutheran Church in Horton Township, St. Peter Lutheran Church in Ocheedon, Iowa, and St. John Lutheran Church in May City, Iowa. And so, and I was there for three and a half years. And so the thing that makes this really an interesting year is that I preached that sermon last week, and I was preparing it, and I prepared, I was trying so hard to figure out what to say. And part of the challenge is, is that I'm not, it wasn't just graduate recognition, it was also Mother's Day, and there's the just the simple reality that I got to struggle, I'm struggling with the tension of preaching to what the scriptures say. And I will admit, what I, even what I came up with last week was not 100% what I wanted to say, because I was honestly struggling. And a big part of that struggle comes from the simple fact that the people, that, for those of you, I'm sending this to the people, I'm sending a link to you who were there, but for those who were there, I mean, it's, I was thinking about, like, I, I always wanted to do kind of a joke at the beginning and say, you know, here you guys are. I remember when you were yay high. And now you are yay high. I know you can't see my hand. My point is to show is you're the same height I, you were probably when I met you. Because it was only two months ago. And some of these, I mean, I'll admit some, I only met with them the pre previous few days. And so it's like, what do you say to people? When you, what do you say? I can't share memories with them. But on the other hand, there are these high schoolers who, again, I'm going to send them this link as well, that I got to know up at Sibley O'Cheedon High School. They were in my church. They, I, was, I was their pastor for all but two months of their high school careers. And... 
it's kind of a, it, it gives me a little bit of sadness that I was not able to be there when they graduated today or to be at their open house I realized in this this week's there's a pastor you're kind of you read in the scriptures that a pastor is called to be is St. Paul refers to himself as the spiritual father to the church in Corinth and that is what a pastor is to every church he goes to He's their spiritual father. And that becomes very real as for myself because I don't have children. I don't have a wife. So the kids that I care about and I want the absolute best for are these kids, or you guys that have graduated from high school, that who have been in my high school youth group, have been in the high school youth group, have been in you know confirmation, Sunday school, things like that who I've been watching grow up. But the thing is, is it's not like a biological, it's definitely not like a biological parenting. It's, I think it's got more in common with being a foster parent. Except for with the foster parents, it's the kids that kind of move around. Before, as a pastor, it's you that move. But the thing is, even though I left Ocheedon, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, I just stopped caring about them up there. And, and even, and so you, I still have that care and compassion for them, but they're not, that, I am not their pastor anymore. I am not their spiritual father at the moment anymore. And so when I came here and I have met these new youth, the new kids, these, you know, new high students, or whatever you want to say. U of O-A-B-C-I-G. Immediately I have the same care. I do care about you guys the same way I cared about them. I want the best for you as I wanted the best for them. And, and in my journey I found myself... I found that there's even a little bit of that interesting interrelation that you have. Because when I was up in Ocheedon, I found my we found ourselves we're getting to know some of these kids that are um, youth over at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hartley, Iowa. And they're not your your kids, but they're kind of more like your cousin. They're more like the they're more like the nieces and nephews. Alright? But for some of these nieces and nephews, they were like the nieces and nephews that they kind of stayed with you for a little while. And the reason is, is because they're connected into the family of your immediate church. Or in the case of a couple, in the case of, you know, one of them, they would come to our youth group, and her sister was in my, I taught for confirmation for a year, and same, and another one of her sisters I taught for confirmation for a year. And so you had that connection to them. And, and then here I'm in Oi, you know, with in Ida Grove, I hope that we have that relationship with the church St. John in Battle Creek and uh, is it Emmanuel, I believe, in Audible? I'm trying to think this on the fly. But I mean these you guys are gonna be like the nieces and nephews that are really darn close to us. And even though you're not in the same town. But then you got your cousins even. 
you got your reformed cousins and your Catholic cousins. And so um, there's one that was up in Ida Grove that was, not Ida Grove, but up in Sibley. who played organ for us. Such a talented musician, such a talented young man. And can't wait to see what God has in store for that that guy. He's he's the sky is a limit. And so I say all of this because that is the relation what we are as the church of God. Is we're family. We are all family bought by the blood of Jesus. And just like any family, we have our issues with one another. Sometimes we are frustrated with one another. You're, I mean, if I remember growing up, I'd get frustrated with my parents. And I know without a doubt they got frustrated with me. But you still love them. You still care for them. You still want everything good. And, you know, you have your brothers. You fight. You have your cousins. You don't quite get along with all the time. Because they just... They're just like, it feels like they're in a different world than you. But you still love them. And you still care about them. That's what the church is. We are a family through the blood of Jesus. We have meal together regularly, the Lord's Supper, which is such a beautiful gift from God. The body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under that bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. You guys, as you graduate from school, you know, you graduate from high school. And you're going to hear a lot of things and you're going to tell, the sky is the limits in this truth is, yeah, it is. It really is. I look at you guys and <laughs> you got so many of what I've seen of you guys, you are talented. Your ability is through the roof of what you all can do. You know, I talked about that young man that's an org that played organ for us. He's he is so talented, but he is not the only one. All of you have your own unique talents and gifts and abilities that God has given you, endowed you with. And I cannot wait to see what God has in store for you and what you could do. And I'm going to tell you straight up, do not go short. Do not cut yourself short. Do not say, oh, I'm stupid or I can't do anything or I'm worthless. Don't say any of it because you have more than you ever realize. I mean, I'm sure some of you guys have been told that over and over. You can't do anything. You can't do anything well. You're so dumb or whatever. Don't listen to them. Because they're wrong. I'm straight up saying it. They're wrong. Every single one that this is of you high school who were somehow connected to me in my ministry up to this point, who this is directed towards, I've met you for long enough. To know that is not true. I was actually just at one of the graduation um, parties for one of our youth up here. I mean, down here in Ida Grove. Actually, the, um, the graduation was over at Battle Creek. And I just looked at her 
high school career that I, I mean I just got here two months ago so like this is an example where I see this whole story right in front of my eyes I never saw and I just think of holy smokes she's done so much look at what this girl has the sky is the limit but I'm telling you again guys do not cut yourselves short don't Take the easy way. Don't jump through the hoops. Take every opportunity to learn, to grow. You hear people that say things you don't like, that have ideas you don't like, listen to them. Learn. Does not mean you have to like what they say. Aristotle has a great quote that I always love. It is a quote that you is one that I think people should live by when it comes to education. The mark of an educated mind is the ability, the ability to entertain a thought without accepting it. Alright? In other words, people are going to say ideas which you need to do. This is the mark of how your education... The farther your education gets, the better you're going to be able to be hearing someone's ideas and actually break it down, think it through, and decide for yourself, is this true or is it? And don't say it's true because it doesn't feel true. Truth is not felt. It is known. And I can tell you straight up, you would be, if you think, you hear, I hear people say this all the time. You're going to hear people have told you it already. And they're going to tell you it over and over. Do what feels right. If, you, if it feels true to you, then it's fee, it is true. Now, unless we're talking about your favorite kind of ice cream or your fa what you want to eat for breakfast, that's not true. And where, you, and where the source of that philosophy is a man named Giovanni Gentile. If you look it up, he is known as the fascist philosopher. Fascism breeds on truth that is based upon feeling rather than fact and logic. Because emotions can be manipulated, logic is very hard to manipulate. So learn expand yourself, be better than the generations ahead of you, the generations that were before you. Alright? Recorrect this course and listen and actually learn and think. And I'm saying this to you because I know you can do it. Alright? I don't buy this BS that you guys can't do it. You can. Now going back to this. Now going back, you're gonna you heard this. You're gonna hear this in schools, and people are gonna tell you're gonna hear this that you're gonna and I'm telling you that you have great potential, but I can't promise everything's gonna go well. I cannot promise that you're gonna find the love of your life and you're gonna have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful family and nothing bad will ever happen. I cannot promise when you go to college that you're going to be going on the career of your dreams. And nothing bad is not going to happen. 
But here's, because this is what I know. You might go to college and all of a sudden have everything invested in this one field and all of a sudden you take that one class and you realize this isn't it. And you have to all of a sudden redirect everything. You're going to be have that wonderful relationship that you had all throughout high school and all of a sudden it's going to go crumbling to pieces and you're going to feel lost. You're going to have friends that you care about try to commit suicide, try to take their own lives, or maybe they might even succeed at They may even actually die from suicide. You'll have people, you'll have, there will be people you know, or maybe yourself will end up in a destructive relationship. You'll have family will get sick while you're off at college and you're going to be hours away and not able to do anything but wonder and fear of what might happen to them. You're going to hear, you might hear about shootings at colleges and fear of what might happen in your own, if it happened in your own. I'm telling you things that have happened in the, in the colleges of friends, myself, or friends, or youth of my past, that I've known. And when you graduate, there's no guarantee you're going to have the career you want. You may get, you may finish your degree and find yourself working at Walmart. In the checkout line. You may find yourself working at McDonald's or selling shoes or whatever. And I could tell you right now for myself, I don't, I'm single. I don't have kids, as I've already said. And, I get, and I'm telling you that that is not by choice. I would love more than anything to find someone. And so I can't promise you any of this. That everything, I cannot promise that your dreams are going to come true. And so I go back to the, f- the imagery that I used of family. Because the church is a family. And it's actually very fitting that I talk about that I am not, the pastor is not, <laughs> is referred to as a father, but he is like your <laughs> foster father or adoptive father or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the perfect language of it is. Because the actual Father is God. You were made His child in the waters of baptism. And our Lord looked down on you and said, You are my child. And here's the thing. That promise will never change. Many of you will get this on, some of you might get this on graduation cards or on covers of Bibles. It'll be Jeremiah 29, 11. This is what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Well, isn't that nice? 
the Lord has promised welfare to you. If you just if you just have your your mind set on God, He's going to give you good things, and then you're going to find out what I just told you. You're going to be faithful. Then things are just going to fall to pieces, and you're going to come back to this verse and say, "God, you lied to me." And the truth is, is God did not lie to you. Rather, good, well-meaning Christians used this verse incorrectly. Or did not bother to teach it to you. Because it says, let's look at the verses around it. Beginning at verse 10, it says, For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise, and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me, with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Okay. Verse 10 and verse 14 at the very end give important details. This is written to people who are in Babylon during the Babylonian exile. Now, high school's challenging. I won't deny it. I was there, and it was tough, and I could only imagine what it's like for you guys now. Uh, whether it's worse or easier or harder was up for debate, but I know it's challenging. But it is not the Babylonian exile. You were not forced to leave your homes and leave everything you have behind you and walk the distance it would be to go from Ida Grove to Chicago. All right? And live there until you die or for 70 years. That is not what you've gone through. All right? That verse is not written to you. That's why it's... It's a lie to say that that is about you. It's not. It's a, it is being written to the people in Israel. But here's the thing. There's something beautiful in this passage if you actually let the fullness of Scripture interpret it for you. See, this is written to... Could give you some history on the nation of Israel. All the way back in Genesis 3.14... After, G after Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, the Lord said to them that the offspring of the woman would, would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. This is known as the Proto-Oyangelion, or the first gospel. So this is a promise from God that the destruction of the, of the devil who led them into temptation, who led them into the fall into sin, will come about by the offspring of Eve. Now you go through all through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, etc., 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 and the Messiah hasn't come. This offspring has not been born. Then comes the kingdom of Israel. 
And the kingdom of Israel is going okay, and eventually it gets corrupt, very corrupted. And it gets divided into a northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom became extremely rebellious to God, and for it, it was destroyed, obliterated by the Assyrian Empire, never to be found again. The southern kingdom, on the other hand, was just as rebellious. But it wasn't destroyed by the Assyrians. And in fact, God promised they would not be as destroyed by the Assyrians. Why? Because within that kingdom is the ancestry or the lineage of that offspring that was promised to Eve. So you read in this verse, this is the promise from God to the nation of Israel, who is in exile in Babylon as punishment for the rebellion, that their exile would end and that they would return home. And the reason that they are going to survive is because God keeps his promises. He keeps his word. And his promise to Adam and Eve was that their offspring would crush the serpent's head. And through this, in, Genesis, and in Jeremiah 29, that promise is still being kept. And the day would come that that offspring would be born of a, of a young girl named, named Mary. A girl who would be about 13 to 15 years old, younger than any of you graduating this year, obviously, unless you're some child prodigy. And he would grow up to be crucified. And when he was crucified on that cross, when he died on that cross, it was there that he crushed the serpent's head. And sin, death, and the devil was defeated just as God has promised. And then in the waters of baptism, he comes to you, keeping his promise that that forgiveness would be applied and given to you, you would receive the full benefits of what Jesus did on the cross. And you were declared a child and an heir of paradise on account of the cross. God's promise will never change. So as you go through the rocky and tumultuous life of college and beyond... Keep your heart and your mind in God's word, in the scriptures. Receive the Lord's Supper regularly. Because the life, because life is difficult. Because it's always changing. You need that foundation which is Christ. Which will not shake, which will not change. Boy, boys or girls may reject you and break your heart. Family may let you down. But God's promise to you is that you are his child. And that will never change. 
And speaking of your family, when you begin to miss them, one of the cool things about the Lord's Supper is in the Lord's Supper, you are united to Jesus. And you're united to everyone that you commune with, wherever you are on Sunday. But here's the thing that's even cooler. Let's say you go to church in, um, let's say you go to Harvard, which is in Boston, Massachusetts, right? You go there and you have the Lord's Supper. Your parents live in Denver, Colorado. And they go to church and they receive the Lord's Supper. Though you don't see them and you miss them, through the body and blood of Jesus and the Lord's Supper, you are united to them in a mystical, awesome way. Because that is what the Lord's Supper is. In the Lord's Supper, you are made one. You are made one as the family of God. Not just in the local congregation, but every to every church everywhere. So stand in the rock. Stand in God's word. Read your Bible when you can. Have devotions. Pr pray. Go to church. Find a college Bible study if you can. Many of the schools you're going to have dedicated campus ministries. Be involved with them on the first week of school. Do not wait. Get it in your routine. Do not wait, because if you wait, you'll never do it. Do it right away. You are God's child. We are all God's family. And I, as a pastor to those of you who this is dedicated to, and to you, those of you who are, maybe you listen to this, I've never met. I pray the best for you. And I pray that you would flourish. But I know that that may not always, may not be true as you want it to be. And so I pray that in those darkest times that you find comfort in God's word. And I pray that you find a relationship with other Christians. That they can lift you up. I, I, could kind of, I remember when I was at seminary. And it was the last month I was there. And I got the news that my grandfather had died of a heart attack. It was a very, very tough day. But it was my brothers in Christ who played key roles in lifting me up in that emotionally difficult day. I pray that you find brothers and sisters in Christ wherever you may go that can lift you up in those same dark and trying days. And if you need to, I'm still here for you. Whether you are those of Siblio, whether you you are those that are living up in the Siblio Cheatin School District, or the HMS School District, or the Harris Lake Park School District, or OABCIG, whoever you are, they've been I have been a pastor to in some capacity. You can contact me and talk to me. I am here for you. 
The Lord bless you and keep you in your future to come. In Jesus' name, amen.